Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. All these girls gonna be in the league? Hello, gorgeous. Female fight club. All men must die, but we are not men. Damn it, Kristen! What do you think happened to Karen? Lauren. Girl, her name is Kimberly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 52 of Citizen Dame, a podcast where I think we're just broken, broken people at this point. We've given up. We have. We kind of have. This. That's why this episode is going to be all about things that make us happy in a vicious hellscape where men don't give a shit. Uh, as always, I am your host, Kristen Lopez, along with the other citizen dames, Karen Peterson. Hello. Lauren Humphreys Brooks. Hi. And Kimberly Pierce. Hello. Kim is the most optimistic out of our group. <laughs> <laughs> Kim's had two cups of coffee. That's the only reason why. Yeah, I'm just tired. I'm actually fairly optimistic. <laughs> I was on a plane last night, so I'm super tired. But we this week was um, rough. Is that the word we're using? I was going to say shit show of epic proportions, but that might be... Understating too it. Too unladylike. I'm, yeah. I like vicious hellscape. <laughs> It is a vicious hellscape. I'm surprised Cthulhu hasn't risen from the depths to just reclaim <laughs> less, the earth. Last last well, Monday, there is what's going on in the White House right now. Oh my god! Uh, last Monday, one of my friends on Twitter, uh, after like all that went down in the morning, he was like, "Man, it's been quite a week this morning." <laughs> yeah, I so forget true. what there. There's a tweet. There were several tweets going around where it was just like. Anytime a man gives you the stink eye, just be like, dude, not today, of all days. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're all kind not... of fed up, guys. Like... <laughs> yeah, I was in Disneyland for, for four days, and I did not look at my phone, but every few minutes that I did, it was another raging dumpster fire, and I was just like, nope, not dealing with that. Going back to here. So, if you haven't. Why were you? Why were you looking at that shit while you were at the happiest place on earth? You know, there Come are a couple on. minutes where it gets really hot and the children become really annoying and you're sitting in a corner by yourself and you're just like, hey, I'm going to check Twitter for a little bit. It can't be that bad, right? Nope. Nope. I thought maybe I'd get lucky and it would be like, Army Hammer finally goes nude or something <laughs> good. And it was just one shitstorm after the next so it's like that scene in poltergeist where things have kind of settled into their routine and diane's putting some like laundry away and she goes past the kids bedroom door and she's just like i'm just gonna open it for a second and she does and there's like screaming and <laughs> terror and <laughs> yeah yeah that's ex that's exactly what it is so any anytime you preface something with it can't be that exactly. bad, right? It's just don't. Yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't uh, been following life, um, shit's pretty bad right now, especially in the Supreme Court, which is probably just going to get worse because we all know that when you sit there and you think, "Hey, we're smart enough, we're never going to elect that guy," we probably will. They, they probably will because because. Yeah. Vote. This is a plea for everybody yes. to vote. Yes, Citizen Dame urges you to vote, and if you happen to know people who don't vote, like I do, then you get permission to give them shit. Okay, but I want to put an addendum on that. I want to encourage people to vote wisely. Get educated. Don't just show up to the polls and just pick some names. Are you saying don't pick C for all the answers? Exactly. C is not the best route. Don't put. <laughs> don't pick R for all the answers. <laughs> so, yeah. there's That's our plea to you. So, with everything turning to shit, we decided we were going to throw the agenda out the window. If I had paper, I would do sound effects and, like, throw them. But we decided to look at things that just make us happy, things that help us survive the nightmare that we are currently living in that is not The Handmaid's Tale, but it could very well be in about three years. We're not really sure. So we watched the latest episode of The Handmaid's <laughs> Tale, and... <laughs> so yeah, we just decided we were going to talk about stuff that we like. Um, who wants to start with something that they liked this week? Something good. Something that made them happy. 
Something that for a brief shining well, moment. That wasn't the movies I was screening. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Kim, Kim saw A Star is Born. We're not going to talk about it till most of us see it next week. But, next week. Um, I can tell you that I was inundated with billboards when I was down in L.A. for A Star is Born. To the point where we went to the Grove, Karen and I, and they had Star is Born posters in the elevator. And I had Bradley Cooper, like, eyeballing me the entire ride down the elevator. I was just like, nope. Leave me alone, Bradley Cooper. Not going to get me, Coop. I will say one bit of news, though, that hit this week that did make me happy um, was because of all the boys that I knew were really upset about it. And that was Kathleen Kennedy extending her contract with Lucasfilm for three more years. And the reason that made me happy, I know we get really frustrated because of the fact that all the directors on the Star Wars movies right now are white men. But other than than that issue which I think is on the verge of, of starting to change the reinvigoration of the franchise has actually been really good and we've gotten some really great female characters and people of color uh, like under her leadership and the fact that there are so many boys that have just been so mad over you know oh she's on her way out she's so going to get fired any day now that it was like boom nope She's here to stay, so. Suck it, fanboys. Exactly. <laughs> anything that makes anything that makes those fanboys upset, like, is a good thing in my book. Yep. Now if we can just get more, less white women with brown hair in these movies, right. and, like, maybe more women of color. I agree. Or maybe with blonde women. I keep saying, a very, you know, radical fix would just be getting a blonde. Hey, we actress. had a woman with purple in hair, movies, so we're but... getting there. How about it? brunette american that's at least that's a start right <laughs> kim kim i i think we've excised all the brunettes of any yeah. origin <laughs> i think we're good um so but okay kim the movies didn't make you happy but anything make you happy this week you know what made me happy i was and while social media was a vicious hellscape of horribleness this week Ashley Zuckerman was on and tweeting, I mean, tweeting about politics, but every time you stumble on a good one, a guy who's, you know, a gentleman who's woke and just tweeting some good things about everything that's going on, I have to appreciate it. I continue what I've said during my, during the, you know, some of the internet boyfriend stuff. I love you, Ashley Zuckerman. Never change. Yay. Warm fuzzies. Lauren. Yeah. What makes, what what things have made you happy this week? Uh, well, actually, I've seen some pretty good films. And um, so I've been at, at New York Film Festival. But I, just yesterday, and I wanted to talk about this, just yesterday I got to see The Favorite. Uh, and I don't know if we're going to discuss this in depth later or anything like that. But I just want to say I really liked it. And I was surprised by it because I do not like Yorgos Lanthimos' films. Um, I did not like The Lobster. I do not like Killing of a Sacred Deer. I have not seen Dogtooth, so I'm going to sort of put that to one side and be like, I am going to make an assumption <laughs> that I don't like it, but but that, you know, maybe I do. Maybe I really do like that movie. But um, The Favorite, I just loved. And it, it, hit, it hit all the right beats. And I, I think that some of it was that he uses he uses kind of the weirdness and the bizarreness that he is sort of his talk and trade in a very directed way and in some ways it's more of a mainstream film than a lot of his other works but i think as a result he got a lot of depth and a lot of warmth out of characters that might have otherwise been very cold um and i loved it i also loved the fact that this was a movie in which women are the total central characters of the entire thing all of the power rests in them all of the energy all of the you know the power plays and the exchanges and everything you've got this fascinating basically love triangle going on and the men like the men are really only there to to be buffoons and i really liked that i was like i don't know if you intended to make a feminist film but this actually feels really feminist even though it's all about um, you know, the craziness of, of Queen Anne's court and, and her own problems and like all of the pushing and pulling and the power dynamics that are going on, but it's all centered on women. 
Uh, and I liked that a great deal. So it was a really enjoyable film. And I also just like sat there and was laughing most of the time, which is amazing in a film of his. Yeah, you know, I'm so, I'm so excited that you loved it. And it's interesting because when I saw it a couple weeks ago, I was just, I loved it. But I also really love Lanthimos. And um, I kept thinking, you know what? I think this movie will get some nominations, but this doesn't have a chance of actually winning much, you know? And then... The fact that you have had this reaction, that some other people I know that don't like Lanthimos, don't like, you know, these costume drama period pieces, I'm like, and have loved this movie, I'm like, maybe I'm underestimating this. I don't know. I'm... I mean, I, I, f- I feel like that this is a, it, it might not get a Best Picture nomination or anything like that. I feel like Olivia Coleman might yeah. be a... a best supporting or best actress nomination Mm -hmm. she definitely Um, could because she's so great yeah i mean uh, honestly like i was surprised at how much i enjoyed emma stone in it because she gets a lot of interesting sort of dynamics and depth to that character that could have been very one note Mm -hmm. and she was really good in it i don't i honestly don't usually like her I i find her very bland but in this i was like yeah this is like three very powerful actresses pushing and pulling and fighting with each other and loving each other and being incredibly sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really liked that. Like, yeah, I, I think it's definitely his most accessible. Film. Yes. Yes, definitely. I completely agree with that. Quit talking about so. movies. I haven't seen yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Emma Stone, I watched Maniac this week um karen did you finish it no because i couldn't get on the internet last night and i thought it was my god damn it laura (laughs) (sighs) so i will i will keep it spoiler free then because you didn't see it um i i don't binge shows um i can't tell you the last thing i watched all the way through that wasn't something that i had already seen previously um but I sat and I watched all ten episodes of Maniac, and I absolutely in how many it. days, Kristen? In like, like a couple hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I literally sat and did not move that day. I was like, I'm not leaving this house. So I, I absolutely loved it. Um, many people are comparing it to the Leftovers, and I don't think it's like it's not that good. Um, it doesn't have the like the Leftovers is one of those where once you're done with it you have existential dread and then you want to like cut open a vein because it just depresses you about how we're all gonna die and everything sucks it's actually kind of perfect for the times we're living in right now um <laughs> maniac is a bit more hopeful um it's it, it, carrie fukunaga's direction's great it's beautifully composed in terms of how everything looks um i love that it's got this really hyper futuristic world but that feels very retro um, and, like, straight out of a 1950s movie. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I thought was really fun. It's, like, they're dealing with all this futuristic stuff and, like, all this interesting new technology, and yet they're using, and this reminds me of, like, government work, too. Like, they're using these really old computers and, like, all this old tech that... <laughs> yeah. The, the computer they're using... It's just like a, it's just a wall. The computer is just a, a bank of like diodes and stuff. It's very uh, Forbidden Planet, and I dug dug the shit out of it. Um, Emma Stone's great. She is the high point of the movie, and everybody just kind of acts around her. But for me, because I'm me, um, I maintain. I maintain. Watch Maniac. There is a world. There is a screwball comedy that needs to be made. With Sonoya Mizuno and Justin Thoreau as the scientists. They need to remake, like, Monkey Business. If anybody's seen the <laughs> Cary Grant, um, G.K. Rogers movie where they play scientists that age in reverse. It's just like that. It's just that. They need, or they need to redo, like, I'm not saying redo bringing a baby, but that kind of shtick. Um, because their, their chemistry is just hilarious. Um, and she's just kind of like the straight arrow. And he's an idiot. <laughs> um... And it's great. I loved every second of it. I loved Sally Field. Um, I loved her weird relationship with Justin Thoreau, who I'm fairly certain at a certain point you're just like, are they related or are they 
dating because it's it's that type of relationship. Um, so I had a lot of fun with it. I had so much fun. Yay! Yeah, I still have three episodes left, and I am just like, I'm trumping at the bit. I want to watch this because it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Although and- I maintain... There's not nearly enough Justin Thoreau. There's not nearly enough Justin Thoreau. His introduction, though, to the show is very, very <laughs> him. As I told Karen, and she understood. And I think they just walked it, into his house. Uh, exactly. It's just like a Friday night on, uh, yeah. Um, I And I support all of that. That's That works for me. Uh, but I, I thought it was funny. I was telling somebody, I was like, who to thunk that he's going to have when we talk about, like, most disgusting one-liners of the year he'll have one on that list but then he'll also have a line on my list where it's just like it's very him and i'm not really sure if i'm supposed to be turned on or just laughing at it um it's one of those moments karen will know it too as soon as she sees it she's not gotten to that episode though um am i gonna get spontaneously knocked up when i hear it um you're just gonna be like not not quite you just are gonna be like okay I don't want him to say that, but he should say that. <laughs> it's just okay. one one line with Sally Field, and it's great. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, go go watch Maniac. It's it's great. It will help it take take your mind off of what shitstorm we're in. Uh, Karen, what about you? We're gonna come back around because I I know a lot of stuff happened, uh, especially for Karen and I. But Karen, what made you happy this week? Oh man. Um... You know, a lot of things did. Yeah. Like, it actually, in in the world, things were terrible. But in life, things were pretty good. I'm just super tired because things were good. But um, I don't think we're embargoed. Uh, Kristen and I got to see a screening of The Hate You Give earlier this week. That was, that was actually pretty cool because I had yes. conflicting screenings going on. And so I had to make a choice. And I was just... I just thought, you know, I would rather see this than the other movie. And so, but Kristen and I were going to be together. And so I just was like, hey, can I bring my friend with me? She's in town. She's not going to be able to see this in Sacramento. And so they're like, yeah, sure. So we got to go on the Fox lot and watch it. And it was, it was good. It was just a good experience for me. Like we'll talk again, we'll talk more about the movie itself later, but, um, it was just a good experience for me because there was a group of kids from like a junior high that were there in this particular screening. I don't know what what got them to be able to be there, but uh, listening to them chatter afterwards about it, and they were kind of all in a group, and their 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 chaperones were kind of talking to them, asking their feelings as we're walking out, and just listening to them talk about how much that movie meant to them was was actually pretty cool for me. I liked that. Movie. Yeah, it was it was really really good. And aside from the people that were taking out their phones during the screening, which I yeah, which I never I see that like that. It was crazy. Which I, I told Karen I was like, wow, you guys really do it differently down in LA because we're terrified here in Sacramento because they like threaten us like there's security and you will be escorted from the theater. And so <laughs> yeah, we had two people take their phones out during the movie, and I was like, oh, LA, it's different down here. Um, <laughs> But, but that's unusual. That's the thing. I don't usually see that. They don't take our phones away because they don't usually need to. That's that's true. But Karen, why else were we on the Fox lot? Just like hanging out. Oh, you know, Mini Driver was around. Said, hey, you guys should stop by. <laughs> see, yes, we got to we got to hang out on the set of Speechless. It was wow. super, super cool. Yeah, I, I had done an article for TV Guide about the show a couple, couple months ago. And I talked to the creator, Scott Silveri. And I was kind of, like, joking about, oh, how handicap accessible is the set? And he's like, you should come down. And, like, certain certain people, like, will say, you know, they're celebrities. They, they say what they have to. And so I never really take people seriously. And they're like, oh, we should get together. Um, but I decided to email the rep and be like, so, was that bullshit or not? Um, and it wasn't. They, they actually did invite us to come down. So Karen and I got to, A, the Fox lot is super cool. Um, because it's where they filmed Hail Caesar, and there's a giant, there is <laughs> a giant other mural. Things. Yes, among other things. Um, there's a giant mural of the Seven Year Itch with Marilyn Monroe on the side of a wall, which I was super bummed I'd forgot to take a picture of. Um, but yeah, we got to we got to go and see the sets, and we got to watch them film a, a scene for about an hour. We got to hear Minnie Driver say "motherfucker." It was delightful. <laughs> um, she actually. 
She actually stood behind Karen for three seconds, and I was going to, like, twice hit Karen and tell her to turn around, but I didn't want to make it obvious, so Mini Driver left, and Karen was none the wiser until I told her afterwards. I'm not bitter about that at all, though. Not even a little bit. Well, <laughs> Scott Silvery did say we should come back, and Mini Driver said next time we were going to talk, and... I mean, I'm I'm feeling like that's a real thing. Like, I need to take them all up on that again. So. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, we all wanted to talk about a simple favor since we had time. We've all seen it and we're all here. So, do we just want to do a kind of detour into talking about that? Yeah. That makes us all happy. uh, Sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about a simple favor. We're going to spoil some stuff. So, if you don't want to know, I'd say fast forward about 20 minutes. That should be enough time for us to gush over how much we love it. Um, If you don't want to be spoiled, if uh, you haven't seen it, you should. So, simple favor. Where do we want to start? I want to start with the fact that I'm pretty sure I'd become a lesbian for Blake Lively. (laughs) This this summer has just been like, I... My sexuality is very confused right now. (laughs) Men are over. Yeah, yeah. Between Kate Blanchett and Blake Lively, I'm just like, well, I, I don't know, man. And then all of the bullshit that's been happening with men in general. So, uh, yeah, Blake Lively. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Blake Lively. I have been a, a Blake Lively stan for a while. Not not since Gossip Girl, but um, she did a movie a couple years ago with uh, Eddie Redmayne and Chloe Grace Moretz called Hick that I thought she was really, really good in. The movie's not great, but she is fantastic in it. Um, playing, again, another kind of, like, 1960s old soul type of character. Um, and so I've I've been saying she just kind of needs the right things um to do good work and i absolutely adored her in this the minute she steps out in that pinstripe suit oh my gosh i am i'm in love i i just love everything about her character and it's not just the outfits although the outfits rock and i would say are oscar worthy in my own little lack of oscar knowledge way but i said it too in my review you're not yay um there is this when she's walking through that graveyard in that white suit with no top underneath it i'm just like yeah i'm so intimidated and turned on by you right now i just don't know what to do um (laughs) yeah it's one of the it's one of those like i don't know if i want to be you or if i want to be with you it's one of those i want to be afraid of you uh but (laughs) but i love that she's a character that I don't I didn't care for Gone Girl and I know a lot of people say Gone Girl is some people say it's this feminist masterpiece some people say it's this misogynistic piece of trash I'm somewhere in the middle I think it wants it both ways and and here at least she's a character that is psychotic at times but is also very blunt and straightforward and both wants people to care about her but doesn't want people to care about her. It's a very complex performance that I don't think we've necessarily seen in in villain uh, female villains before. Yeah, I, I think that you know that, uh, several people, several men online kept on describing this as Gone Girl light, which I think oversimplifies both a simple favor and Gone Girl. Um, Guys, because... oversimplifying things about women? No. What? <laughs> well, and, and that's one of the problems. You know, this is a comedy, and there's a lot of humor in it. And there's a lot of dark humor, but there's also just some, like, funny slapstick and gags and puns and stuff like that. And and I think as a result of that, a lot of people, and again, particularly men, and this is the response that I've seen largely from male reviewers, um, have had this, like, oh, this is just silly. This is just, like, you know, oh, it's, it's like, for the mommy vlogger set. And it's, like, that's not really fair, and that also says to me that you have, that you didn't really take the movie seriously when you went into it, and you didn't really pay attention to what was happening in the film. I think one of the reviews I read said it's Gone Girl for the Pinterest mom. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's been a lot of very, uh, not derogatory, but diminishing language uh, being used about about this film, and I think that it's it's unfair and it oversimplifies the film and it oversimplifies the performances um, of both, particularly of both lead actresses. I mean, because the Anna Kendrick character, who is so playing to the Anna Kendrick type, but then undergoes a really fascinating shift and reversal, and this you know all of this dialogue about the positions that women are supposed to occupy, what women are supposed to do, you know, fulfilling, um, 
fulfilling all of kind of the very patriarchal, very male fantasy views of like, this is what a mother is. This is what a wife is. But also you have to be sexy. So you have to be all of these things all at once. And essentially both of these women are like, they're fitting into these particular stereotypes. And then, but then it turns out that they're not really those stereotypes at all. Um, And I, I, I loved that about it, but in terms of the like lively character, she is the, she's the film noir femme fatale, but she's totally possessed of herself. She's totally like, this is what I am. And like, at one point she says to, to Anna Kendrick, she's just like, oh, you do not want to be friends with me. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's a wonderful moment because it's, it's just like, no, I'm a bitch. Like, you do not want to be in my life. But at the same time, by the end of the film, and there's a wonderful little exchange, almost Almost at the end, it's like in one of their final scenes together, um, where the Anna Kendrick character says, were we really friends? Do, do you really mean that? And she's like, yeah, I really mean that. I really liked hanging out with you. I love you. And they like have this wonderful little back and forth that is just like, you know what? They actually do care about each other. She actually does, in her own weird, twisted, sociopathic way, really does love her friend. And that's a very, I think that's a very important scene. It's funny, but at the same time, it also emphasizes the fact that all of these stereotypes, all of these roles that these women have been forced to occupy or that have occupied and used are are both themselves, but are also not the full sum of their existence. Well, and I think I called, I called the character that Blake Lively plays the anti-manic pixie dream girl, because I feel like it takes the tropes that men have written for the Manic Pixie Dream Girl and subverts them. Um, This is written by a woman, by the way. Because she is this otherworldly, larger-than-life figure who does inspire other characters of both genders. You know, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is a very heterosexual creation. And here, she inspires characters of both sexes. You know, the concept that she, you know... Uh, that her husband is a writer, that uh, the Linda Cardellini character that she's with is a painter, and even with Anna Kendrick especially, uh, the concept of, you know, you need to branch out, you can be a sexually free woman, you don't have to, you know, have a relationship with somebody. But at the same time, that character is not overly positive. She's not there to act as a source of inspiration, and in fact, when she leaves, like, her presence is almost a curse for these talented people that want to use her in the way that the Manic Pixie Dream Girl would be utilized. So I thought that was really inventive. Well, and I think that she, as a character, she pushes back against that because she knows that she's being used at some level. She knows, like she says it at one point, her husband is a fuckwit. Like her husband is, really is like very barren as a human being. Um, And he uses her as an excuse he uses her as an excuse for, you know, for his own sexuality. He uses her as an excuse for why he can't write. And, and she's basically like, you know what? You're a loser. You're, you're not very useful as a person. And, and she pushes back against all of those, like I say, all of those stereotypes, all of those things, just like you need to represent something for me. And just like, no, I'm going to be the person that I am, which is a psychopath. But she's a beautiful psychopath. But she embraces <laughs> that. Yes. <laughs> but also well, on the subject of Henry we, Golding. I was going to say, let's transition to Henry Golding. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> well, first, though, before we do that, I just want to say it's been really fun listening to to the two of you back and forth on particularly the character of Emily, Blake Lively's character, because it's this is this is one of the things I love about this film is the fact that uh, men just don't seem to really get it. They are looking for this straightforward, noirish comedy, and they don't understand it because of the fact that this isn't something that they're used to seeing, and because of the fact that they don't have a frame of reference for understanding these these characters and really digging deep into the story. And this is where, after I saw the movie, I tweeted about, I was like, Paul Feig is the only man that's allowed to direct movies about women from now on because he gets it and because he knows enough to know when he needs to have a woman writing his story. That's because Paul Feig is an honorary woman. 
Exactly. And that was my thing, too, was like after or the week the movie came out, I tweeted about it. And I was just like, Paul Feig is the only man that's allowed to direct movies about women from now on because he gets it. And he also knows enough to know when he doesn't get it. And he brings in women writers. He always has, you know, women that are producers. He doesn't make these movies in a male vacuum. So not that men vacuum, but um but yeah, like, and, and it's just, it's so, it's nice to listen to and participate in this deep conversation about a film that too many people have just chalked up to this surface level thing, this like thriller of just, oh yeah, it's, you know, it, it's so much more depth to it than that. And also there's Henry Golding. Let's talk about Henry Golding. Can I, can I mention something just going off of that before we get into Henry Golding? Because I don't care that much about Henry Golding. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I, no, I did just want to add on to that and say that I, I like the fact that particularly Anna Kendrick and the Blake Lively characters, and I keep on forgetting their names, Emily and Stephanie? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I like that when they speak with each other, they sound the way that women do when they talk to one another. It isn't, and I'm not, and I don't mean that like we sit around and have conversations about whether or not we wanted to sleep with our half brothers, but the way that they talk to each other, the language that they use, the kind of back and forth, the sort of discomfort initially when they first meet one another. And then as they begin to adapt to each other and understand each other deeper, it's very real. It's very realistic to the way that women actually relate to one another and not the way that a man thinks women relate to one another. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I was just going to say. And I think that that is a function of, of a female screenwriter. It's also a function of Paul Feig being willing to do that and willing to listen. And because you, you get the same thing in movies like Spy, we've gotten the same thing in Bridesmaids, got the same thing in Ghostbusters of like, this is how women actually talk. Oh, completely. This is how we actually yeah. relate to each other. Often when a man is not around because we don't have to perform in any way. And that's really important to see on screen. Oh, I was just going to say, too, along the lines of of the two of them and their conversations. It's really funny because in the last, like, two weeks or so, uh, I've had several conversations with people where they say things like, I'm sorry, unnecessarily. And I'm like, okay, you need to stop what you're doing. You need to go watch a simple favor. And you need to listen very closely to what Blake Lively says about women apologizing for things that they don't need to apologize for. <laughs> because it's just such a great moment. And I love when she's just like, baby, if you apologize again, I'm going to slap the sorry out of you. It's like, yes, 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 yes. Women need to hear this. I, I personally love when she's making the mar- the martini and she she throws the lemon on the floor and she says don't you touch that washcloth uh-huh. <laughs> yep uh, so yeah Henry Golding is kind of the lone male in this movie with uh, anything passing for a character um, other than the psychotic husband that is um, Anna Kendrick's character um, who's the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey which I was just like oh you always play a wormy-faced asshole. Got it. Okay. Um, but but Henry Golding, as I told everybody on Twitter, has a scene in this, has a line in this movie where I was just like, marry me. I love you. Um, <laughs> and in case people were curious what it was, a lot of people said it was the Chaucer line, which is very close. I almost, that didn't get me. I was just like, aw. That's so cute. Uh, it's when he's t- it's when he's indignantly discussing having to teach people about your uh, Y O U R versus <laughs> U R. Uh, and I was just like, oh my god, I hate that problem. Right? I love you. Um, <laughs> yes. Sometimes the English. I'm an English major. Okay, we get turned on by nerdy shit. Um, but I I love that he is. In any other movie, he would be, like, the romantic leading man. And here, he's just weak sauce. <laughs> um, he can't really handle his kid. He obviously doesn't really have a grasp on who he is as a person. Um, and really is just interested in Anna Kendrick's character because she represents the domesticity that he has been wanting but he doesn't get from this wife who's overly intimidating and has has more more of her life planned out somewhat than he does um and at the end 
when he's lying there bleeding on the floor because he's been, like, shot in the shoulder, he really, I mean, the way I read it, he really expects somebody to, like, rush to his aid and take care of him. And I love how the movie just ends. We never really <laughs> see him again. And we just leave him there because he is irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. See, yeah, my, I, I went and saw this with my mother. And I, she, well, she enjoyed it. She kind of comes out and she's like, well, this felt very hallmark lifetime movie to me i said no this isn't a hallmark lifetime movie because at the end of one of those anna kendrick and henry golding would have ended up together they they would have ran off and made some kind of life with themselves the fact that they didn't is so important yeah and that he just kind of ends up all alone and it's like the only thing that he's really wants is someone to take care of him and he doesn't get that in the end and it's just it's it's good because i agree with you Kristen. any other movie like a certain other movie that we saw this summer he's the hot romantic lead because he's an attractive man and uh in this it's like that level of attractiveness doesn't get him yeah uh ultimately what he wants so um I, I I do have to admit that I really wanted at the end of that I I wanted them to succeed in framing him yeah um I really did want like just the t- and I I understand why it ended the way that it did it's it's a little more of a not a moralistic but like a, a closing off of the story and a closing off of the moral universe in the film so I totally get why it ended the way that it did there was this huge part of me that was just like, you know, it would be really great is if like they succeeded in framing him, he gets like put away and they just like go off to Paris with their kids <laughs> together. Like that's really what I wanted to see. Uh, honestly, at the end of the, at the end of the film, because I was like, not only was I not charmed by Henry Golding throughout the entire film, I was just like, you know what? Fuck you dude. <laughs> like just, just, Oh my God. Like you're so boring you're so boring and you're so (laughs) weak and you have and all you want is this woman to take care of you and and you're and oh no you're not getting it in the sexy woman that you married poor baby uh yeah i just like had absolutely no feeling for him and i i really was just like you know you're not a bad guy but you're kind of an asshole and you're probably having an affair with your um postdoc so why why don't why don't you just like get framed and go to prison please (laughs) Can we just talk about how Emily is very much like Lauren? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I saw the movie, I was just like, oh, that's so cool. Paul Feig based a character on Lauren. <laughs> oh, is, when, right, I'll take that. When she, when she the, the whole beginning with sorry, don't, don't, yeah. don't apologize. Oh, yeah. That was the first, you were the first person I thought of. I was like, we could totally play a game. Who said it? Emily or Lauren? <laughs> I literally, when, when Blake Lively, A, that whole phone conversation when she has with her boss is, <laughs> is genius. But when she looks at Anna Kendrick and says something, you can't let the powerful ones walk all over you or something to that effect. Or they were literally fuck you in the face. I was like, yep, Lauren would have said something like that, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think. So much. Yeah, so much. Fun. All right, but- I just want to. I just want us to be known that I am not a sociopath. So just, <laughs> no, just to say, but that it's right it's now. more <laughs> just the general attitude of like you're not going to take shit from people, and that's what's the empowerment. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes, I I will take that. Yeah. Thank you guys. <laughs> I I will I will go back to going back to what Lauren said though about it being a moralistic ending. I think that a lo- I, I wrote a very long-winded article and I could have written several more about the filmic influences that I saw with this movie in terms of like old Hollywood and I think a lot of why it ends the way it does is kind of adhering to that whole we have to punish crime and it doesn't always make sense it, the ending of the bad seed is the, my go-to example of like we don't really know how to re- get justice from the bad guys, so we're just going to come up with a god's machine and do it that way. Um, so I, I understood why they did it like that. But yeah, I did want them to have the couple go off and, and not make it a heterosexual couple. And just be like, hey, you know what? We didn't have to apologize for this. I mean, I, I think that they end it well because they could have killed off the Blake Lively character. They they could have killed off Emily. They could have... Um, there are a lot of, of ways that they could have ended it that would have been more in keeping with what you're, like what you're saying, the classical Hollywood ending. Um, 
but they didn't. So there there was a certain degree of triumph there. And and the shit that she does is pretty terrible. Killing her own sister is pretty horrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's no doubt that, like, there's a lot of moral ambiguity and stuff like that. And she kind of gets away with it. I mean, you know, the ending has her going to prison and being like, oh, she's doing fine there. You know, this is really her element. <laughs> uh, which is fine. And, and I think everybody sort of gets the things that maybe they needed to get in the end. But I, I would have liked just a totally amoral ending. Um, I think that that could have worked really well. Do we want to throw anything else on the simple favor before uh, we transition? Final final thoughts on it. I think it's great. Go see it. I've seen it twice. It is great. I've only seen it once still, but I want to see it again. I'm right there with Karen. I've seen it once and want to see it again. Paul Feig is the master when it comes to... I, I mentioned my friend Mariah Gates, who works for TCM, calls him the George Cukor of our generation, and I believe it. And if you don't know who George Cukor is, go watch any of his movies because they're they're great. So <laughs> we did want to. I did want to mention it's going to be Halloween time in the next uh, couple of days. At the time of recording, will already be in October. Karen and I got to go bo- do both Disneyland and Universal Studios for Halloween. It was a lesson in contrast mm-hmm. because on the one hand, you have a very family friendly. They give you candy. Um, which, by the way, Karen, I threw out all but, like, five pieces of the candy that I wanted. What? I did not want the carrots and the butterfingers, okay? Oh, yeah. You threw away the butterfingers? Yeah, I didn't want no butterfingers. Why didn't you give them to me? You were not... Oh, that's right, I could have. Sorry. Um, I kept the 100 <laughs> grand bars and the Twizzlers, though. Um, so, on the one hand, you have this very family-friendly <laughs> trick-or-treat moment where there's, like, choreography. We were talking, you know, the parade they do has a lot of choreography, which I maintained was better than what was in La La Land. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I said it. And then you go to Universal, which is a frightening nightmare where people intentionally scare the handicapped person. I maintain, I, much like Wesley Jones, I don't know if it was a lady thing or a disabled thing. I'm going to lean towards it was a disabled thing, though. Um, and, and nobody bothered Karen for the most part. They all bothered me. That's because I gave them that don't bother me look. Okay, I only have resting bitch face for so long, okay? But, but it was... <laughs> Embrace the resting bitch face. It was super fun. We went on the... Pol- they have a maze theme to Poltergeist, and it was like we were involved in the movie. It was very awesome. Um, I think we both said it was the best maze of the night, right, Karen? Oh, for sure. It yeah, was that's... awesome. Um, although we did ride the first, we went through the first purge maze, and there's a scene with uh, a throat slicing and water effects where I was just Ew. like, nope, so gross. Nope, we got to get out of here. Um, and literally, funny story. Okay, so if you're traveling with a wheelchair to Halloween Horror Nights, it's kind of a nightmare, but. We literally got dumped off after all the other trams had departed because we had to use the alternative transport. And they dump us off down at the back lot of Universal in the dark, in the middle of the street. We're two women wandering around these streets in the dark. And they decide that based on like the story that they have, the backstory, there is going to be a clown holding a balloon in the center of the street that you have to walk past. Oh, hell no. No. Exactly. Yeah. I was, and there's nobody around. All Again, all the other trams of the groups of people have left. They're like already further down the maze. So we had to like walk this desolate stretch of back lot. Fuck no. I mean, there fuck, were employees fuck, fuck, around, no. but yeah. They weren't going to help us, okay? No, I, they weren't. Literally, Karen leans over to me at a certain point in the night and she's like, yep, room full of nightmares. <laughs> That's that's the shit of my nightmares oh, so right there. Fun. My deep-seated childhood oh, yeah. nightmares. I, I have a Halloween movie that I want to recommend, but I'll let you guys keep on going. In, in terms of the clown, the creepy clowns standing in random places. <laughs> well, has anyone seen Hell House? No. No. Uh, so I think the first film was made in like the late like maybe 2010 2011 somewhere around there but it's a it's a found footage horror film and it's one of the best found footage horror films that i've seen in a long time i saw the first one two days ago and then i saw the most recent one which was just released uh yesterday and they're both on shutter uh the horror streaming service but the whole plot is 
um, basically on the opening night of like a haunted house venue in upstate New York there are a bunch of fatalities. And the entire film is the backstory of, you know, what led up to these random deaths in this creepy haunted house, you know, like adventure sort of space. And the and so it's all mostly told from the perspective of the people who have built the house. And it's it takes place in this abandoned hotel that like everyone is saying, oh, it's it's actually haunted. And they're like, no, of course, it's not actually haunted. It's just a haunted house story. You know, we're going to build a venue around this haunted house. And and so it mixes both um, like the sort of jump scares that you expect in a haunted house maze and the these, you know, quote, reality of ghosts haunting this space. It is terrifying. And there is one of the most the scariest clown since Pennywise. Like, Pennywise is just nothing compared to this clown. And it's really, really fucking freaky. But I highly recommend this movie because it's it's so good. There are actually not that many jump scares, but it's just this consistent ramping up of tension that just explodes all of a sudden. And it's brilliant. I really recommend this movie. I am going to watch that. That sounds interesting. Well, speaking of Halloween, before we close things out, because yeah. I think we've hit everything, right? Anything else? Yeah. I mean, we can, yeah. I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, if we have other things. Well, let's, what, we won't say it's a transition then. Uh, what are some of our favorite Halloween movies? Stuff to, to recommend that we're, we, you should watch this, this, uh, month. Halloween. Wait, what, Karen? Oh. Halloween. I love Halloween. I love Halloween. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the original? <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's so good. Anything else? It's it's not it's not horror. Abbott Costello meets Frankenstein and hold oh, that ghost or yeah. my two. It is too horror. Um well going off of what Kim said, I, I like a lot of different horror I, I have horror themes for like any time I, I mix things up at Halloween. I watch literally anything. So like I am a big fan of Creature from the Black Lagoon. That's my my universal uh monster my boy richard carlson uh exactly <laughs> uh both frankenstein movies bride of frankenstein frankenstein even son of frankenstein is is entertaining um in its own way i probably should rewatch that um i love son of frankenstein, son of frankenstein that's basil rathbone and i'm just like hey you yeah. sup um yeah ba- basil rathbone <laughs> and like a really baroque set yeah. it's a very bizarre set that with the on. cutest little toe-headed boy just like in the middle of all of this who's got like a texan accent for some yes reason. that's donnie dunnigan who was the voice of bambi oh really yeah oh, okay. i i i've interviewed him and he is a delightful little old man um so yeah <laughs> um if you're going more contemporary i i love um house of the devil I know it's very slow and not a lot of people like it, but it's got Greta Gerwig and it's really creepy um, and I dig it. Um, I also like the Amicus Tales from the Crypt. That's a, uh, I like anthology stuff, so Trick or Treat and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I always say Pet Cemetery, still one of the scariest movies ever, even though it's kind of stupid in parts. But yeah, those are, those are the ones I, I usually hit uh, right <laughs> off the bat. And of course... Hocus Pocus, the Disney stuff. You gotta have Hocus Pocus. Oh, uh, I Watcher in the Woods. I've finally seen that movie. I saw that last year, and I was like, "Hmm, <laughs> this is interesting." <laughs> Betty Davis. It has like the worst ending ever, but it's so good until you get there. <laughs> um, I feel like maybe if I had watched it when I was younger, I would have liked it. The whole time I was just kind of like, "Oh my god, what am I watching?" Um. Speaking of Betty Davis, though, and, like, old gothic houses, I always say watch Burnt Offerings. Lauren Lauren got me thinking of it because she was talking about um, Oliver Reed. And it's it's worth a watch only because Oliver Reed is just, like, so over the top in certain scenes, but he feels that he needs to put himself in, like, shirtless, like, outfits and little mini bathing suits and... <laughs> I don't know why you're complaining I am because you sound like this is saying that this is a bad Oliver thing. Oliver Reed, he should be wearing clothes, okay? I'm just, I'm... No, he really... I am <laughs> not, I do not understand. It's, it's like one of those 3D paintings where you can't, I can't see the picture. I do not understand the sexual appeal of Oliver Reed. I'm sorry. Because he's really attractive and a total asshole. Like, that's why. 
I don't get it. I hate it. him so much. I love him and I hate him so much. I <laughs> don't get it. I don't get it. So I just <laughs> I just pulled up my letterboxed uh, list of horror movies that I've seen. And this is just everything I've seen. Well, I'm not going to go through all 100 and whatever plus, but here's a couple that are on my list of favorites. So um, obviously Psycho. Yeah. Not horror. Um, the Conjuring and Conjuring 2. <laughs> Those are good. Yeah. Uh, Rosemary's Baby, What We Do in the Shadows, Diabolique I love, um, Carrie, uh, although I grow colder on Carrie every time I see it. Like, it's just not as fun as it used to be. Um, the Babadook. Yeah. That's a good one. I love the Babadook. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, Pet Cemeteries here. Don't Look Now. <laughs> Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> yeah, with Donald Sutherland and uh, who is his wife in that? Julie Christie. That's right. Yeah, so good. I haven't seen that one in forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lost Boys. Uh, uh, with the greatest saxophone solo <laughs> in existence. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> I would throw out. I would throw out. Speaking of Nicholas Rogue, because you brought up Don't Look Now, The Witches. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I it is my dream to meet Angelica Houston one day, but I would both be in awe and terrified because I'm not 100% convinced that wasn't a documentary. <laughs> um, like I was like, you can tell me. You really are the Grand High Witch. She like, totally I'll is. I'll keep it to myself. She definitely but is the Grand High Witch. You are. You are. Um, so that's a, that's a great one, and I don't want them to remake it, but I've heard that they are. Because they remake everything. Behind. Yeah, yeah, that, that's very, very true. Um, Kim, what about you? What You haven't mentioned any horror movies that... You mentioned two, but any more? Uh, echoing ones that have already been mentioned, um, going contemporary, The Conjuring or, and Conjuring 2 are really two of my favorites. Um, I typically stick... I'm a sucker for the old Universal stuff. Um one that hasn't been mentioned that I have a lot of love for is the original Wolfman. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, favorite of mine, um, echoing Creature from the Black Lagoon from you, um, Dracula, I don't think you can get too, too much better than that, the atmosphere there. Uh, Halloween, uh, just throwing out random ones as they come to mind, kind of of the slasher variety. The original Halloween is probably my favorite. I am very kind of, I, I don't dive too deep in horror because I'm kind of a coward, but those are some of my top that I always watch. Um, looking at what's on my favorite films list on Letterboxd, I meant Poltergeist, Karen and I both love Poltergeist. Um, Cat People is great. I did not mention an American Werewolf in London. I love an American because it's an... it's oh, not a horror movie. You don't think it's a horror movie? <laughs> no, no, no. It is a horror movie, but it's just not a very good. God one. damn you, Lauren. Um, well, yeah, it's because they ki- it's because they kill off Griffin Dunn in the first ten minutes. It's probably True. why it's not that. It could be better. Just saying. Um, I no. I I think as a movie, it has issues that I get more irritated with every year. Um, but the, the creature effects are the transformation yeah. sequence is fantastic. Um, the first act is yes. really good, I think. And then it, I think it kind of actually peters off. Like the, the end just doesn't, it doesn't work. It's not certain what it wants Once to Once you be. have to look at David Naughton nude, you're kind of just like, I'm, I'm good. This movie's, <laughs> this movie's done. Uh, true, true story. My mother dated David Naughton. I just want to... Around about that time, actually. I'm not kidding. Just just think. Just think of how Lauren's DNA could have been drastically altered. (laughs) Uh, And and I will throw out one... The last one that I I think is good that not a lot of people know about, but I think it's now on Netflix or Hulu. One of them, you can find it. Company of Wolves. It's directed by Neil Jordan, um, who did uh, Interview with the Vampire and a bunch of other movies, but it is based on Angela Carter's fairy tale stories, The Bloody Chamber, and they're all feminist um, fairy tales told uh, by Angela Lansbury's character plays grandmother. She's telling these these stories to her granddaughter, um, and it's all about this small little, like, medieval village where a werewolf is 
trying to to kill her and it's all sorts of subversive about like sexuality and uh, how fairy tales are like codes of conduct and it has the most uncomfortably hot moment between a werewolf and a young girl that you will watch in a movie um it's great so i i think it's on netflix amazon prime thank you um go it's watch on it amazon it's prime. fantastic I just it did it not up. make a lot of money when it came out and it's great here, oh, here's one that just popped to my uh, mind. Gremlins, Christmas movie or Halloween movie? Yeah. Gremlins, Halloween. I consider a Halloween movie. <laughs> it's good for both. Ha- Halloween. Can I, can I, can I throw out good some for of my both. Yes, of course. Uh, the Haunting. Please. Uh, the Haunting. 19, I was going to say the original. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the original, not the 19... Although I... I actually saw the the remake in uh, in the movie theater, and it scared the shit out of me. But I was like ten, um, or maybe a little bit older than that. So it it's actually it's got some good scary moments, but it's not a very good film. But the original The Haunting is just like one of the best haunted house movies ever made. Along the same lines as The Changeling. Oh yeah. Um, the George C. Scott movie. Yeah, the George C. Scott oh, yeah. movie. That damn ball coming down It's the very frightening, and it's a good mix of, like, you know, you're not quite certain whether or not you should be sympathetic to the ghosts or not. And I really like that. I, I find that kind of uh, a dynamic really interesting. Uh, along those lines, the original Japanese The Grudge, uh, which is... And actually, the, the remake is very good also, but I, I like the sort of episodic nature of the Japanese films. The same thing with... Um, the original Japanese version of The Ring or uh, The Curse. All of them are very, like, much... There's a a sense that, like, these ghosts really do exist and you should really just leave this shit the fuck alone, you know? Uh, And then we were talking about Oliver Reed. Uh, Oliver Reed was born to play a werewolf and he did it very, very well (laughs) in... Uh, Hammer Studios, The Curse of the Werewolf. And if you want to know why I think Oliver Reed is sexy, you need to go watch <laughs> that movie because he spends about half of it either without a shirt or with like the shirt open to his navel, basically. Um, but he's very young in it also. So he's this is before he got this is before he became a really serious alcoholic. Um, but I love the Hammer Studios films. So like the the horror of Dracula, Curse of Frankenstein, Dracula AD 1972, which is about to come out on Blu-ray and is one of the greatest films ever made. And it's like Dracula meets Satanic Hippies. Uh, <laughs> it's it's amazing. And poor Christopher Lee looks so confused throughout most of the film. I just love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, almost any any of the horror Hammer or the Hammer horror films. Um, <laughs> The other one that I don't think it's seen a lot, and it is on Amazon. I'm not certain if it's on Prime anymore. It was on Prime last year, just when I watched it. Is a British horror film called Burn Witch Burn. That's a good one. Uh, which is really interesting, and it's um, it's just very it's very bizarre. It's almost surrealist, but it's a really interesting witch movie and quite quite surprising in some of the things that it does. It's it's very very worth watching it's black and white too so it's got a lot of that sort of um sumptuousness of 1960s black and white that just that it it almost feels like it should be in color but because it's not they're playing a lot with the great with the grayscale gradings um gradations and things like that and then also the my favorite film the the uh, original suspiria yeah i i will say talking about remakes um i saw the remake of the um haunting of hill house first yes um if any er, hold on no what's the other one uh what's the vincent price yeah house on haunted hill excuse me i was like what's the vincent price one um i saw that one first and i know a lot of people don't like what platinum do or dark castle did um with with the remakes um but i still hold a soft spot for that remake um it's bloody and it makes no sense but it's entertaining, um, and I think they're original or nothing. Uh, the original's the original's good too. Um, but I think both of them work. They're very indicative of their respective time periods, if if anything. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah, and I'd also throw out Phantasm. I forgot yeah. to mention that Phantasm's a really weird, fucked up movie. <laughs> you should watch it. Ooh, ooh, Theater of Blood. I want to see that. I haven't seen that yet. It's it's so good. It's so good for like campy Vincent Price 1970s murders. It's just 
I, I mean, you could do an entire, we could do an entire, like, I could talk about Vincent Price for half an hour, but. Is that Diana Rigg too? Yeah, it's Vincent Price and Diana Rigg, and it's a Shakespearean actor who's going around murdering all of the critics who gave him bad reviews. In in the form of Shakespeare murders. So, like, there's a murder from uh, from Othello. There's <laughs> a murder from Macbeth. There's a mur- It's great. It's hilarious. And it's so good. And both Vincent Price and Diana Rigg are just like, this is the best thing we have ever done. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to see that. I've had that on my list of uh, movies to watch for a while. I need to do it. So, Love it. well, <laughs> anything else before we close it out? I think we're good. What's on tap for everybody this week? Kim? Uh, you know, I'm spacing it out right now. Bad Times at the El Royale, I believe, is the big one for me this week. Um, Lauren, what's on tap for you? I think I've got, I know I have Roma. I think I've got the Ballad of Buster Scruggs this week. I'm still, still at New York Film Festival, which has finally started. Oh my gosh. Uh, So so I'm still doing press screenings for that. It's because they have press screenings like two weeks in advance and then the festival starts and then there are more press screenings during the festival. So it's very, it's bizarre. It's the longest festival in the world. Karen, what about you? You have a lot of stuff to do this week. Oh, man. So this week I am seeing Suspiria, Cold War, and Beautiful Boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Timothy won't be, won't be there, there at the Beautiful uh, Boy Which I oddly but... got invited to as well. Um, and I'm not, I'm not down there, <laughs> so I can't go see it, but... Um, I will say in terms of what I have to see this this week, um, I have bad times at the El Royale. Um, I unfortunately, uh, Kim kind of made the decision for me. Uh, they double screened two movies at the same time on the same day. So I had to decide between the Sisters Brothers I'm and so Star sorry. is Born. And I'm so, I, so, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So I decided I'd rather go see A Star is Born. So I'm going to go do that. Um, unfortunately, I had to miss my old man, the gun screening, because it's in the morning. Um, so I end up going to see Star is Born, Bad Times at the El Royale, and Venom this week. I have Venom too. That's the one I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... So one out of three yeah. isn't bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're screening Venom on a Wednesday for a Friday release. So... That should be indicative of, of its quality. So, yeah, there's there's that. Um, but once again, we thank you for f- uh, listening to Citizen Dame. I promise we'll have the regular schedule next week, barring that we haven't just <laughs> to the barricades. decided to start going on a rampage a la 28 Days Later. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we make no promises about anything because the world makes no promises exactly. to us that it intends to keep. Uh, but you can, in the meantime, follow us on our official Twitter, which is at Citizen Dame Pod. We are also on Facebook, if you are still using Facebook, at facebook.com slash Citizen Dame. If you want to drop us an email, questions, comments, suggestions, things you want us to talk about, send them to citizendamepod at gmail.com. We also have our official website, which is citizendamepod.com, which, because all of us were doing other things this week um we did not have our top five up on time but we will have it up on time uh on by the time this goes up it's honoring our amazing lauren humphreys brooks talking about our top five quintessentially lauren films uh we also have lauren's got some some reviews coming up there there's kim's weekly feminist friday reviewing classic films i will have some random laff reviews as I try to catch up right now you can read my review of we've always lived in the castle which is up there right now um and if you want to go even further and consider supporting citizen dame uh with your money you can do that at patreon.com slash citizen dame starting at just a dollar you can get access to all manner of cool stuff including karen and i's audio commentary of sicario Karen's gonna put up our Goldbloom centric episode soon. I know, I'm sorry. Oh, it's, sorry. Co- it's coming. We also have some stuff planned for October, and it's still in the preliminary stages, but we're talking merchandise. That's right. <laughs> you might be able to have Citizen Dane somewhere on your body. I'm not really wow. sure what we're 
putting it on, but we're we're thinking about it. We're thinking about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so if you've always if you've always been drinking your morning coffee and looked at your mug and you said, "Hey, I need Citizen Dame on this mug." Let us know that you would be interested in buying something like that, and uh, we will. That that why are men coffee? Yes. Mug. Have you ever wanted a T-shirt that says "Miss Your Pine" with a pine tree on it? Um, you could have that. You could have that. Okay. I'm just saying. So let us know. Um, but if you want to get in on the ground floor, you can do that at Patreon.com/slash/CitizenDame. Um, so it would be great to to keep some some of that momentum going because. Karen wants to hire a personal assistant. I don't know if that's it's I don't true. know if that's a flagrant <laughs> violation of of Citizen Dame funds. Although I have maintained that the Citizen Dame money will become bail money if I go to AFI Fest and I'm near Army Hammer. Um, but and who do you think is going to bring that bail money? My assistant. <laughs> I was going to say, great. I don't even get your assistant. I don't even get you to do it. It's just your assistant. You outsource it. <laughs> That's bullshit, yep. okay? I'm just, just saying. Hey, I'm busy. Uh, fine, whatever. God, we already have a, by the way, AFI Fest is showing on the basis of sex, and Karen and I already kind of have a course of conversation if certain people plan on being there, and it is, it is fairly genius, um, but again, it all, it all requires merchandise. If you've ever wanted a pin that says Justin Thoreau is real or not real, Come on, we could make that happen, and we could take it to AFI Fest, and it would be great. So yeah, uh, but if you also want to follow us on our regular Twitter, you can follow me at Journeys underscore Film. Karen Peterson, where are you on Twitter? I am at Karen M Peterson. Lauren Humphreys Brooks. I am at LH Business. And Kimberly Pierce. K Pierce six twenty four. So we will be back next week. Bye. Bye. Uh, Jillian Holtzman, Radio Times. Uh, what have you been doing with your whole life? Great question. Oh, well, um, lots of different jobs. Um, I did the, um, did the actor thing. Uh, oh, worked just, for... gonna, just real quick, um, can I ask why no, no glass? Oh, uh, yeah, they just kept getting dirty, so I took them out. That's... I don't have to clean them anymore. Oh, you can just... boy. I gotta, I gotta yeah. try to keep that in mind. Would it be okay if I bring my cat to work sometimes? Uh, he has major anxiety problems. You know what? I, I would love to let your cat live here with you, but I have a pretty severe cat allergy. Oh, I don't have a cat. He's a dog. His name's my cat. Your, your dog's name is my cat? And Mike Hat. Your dog's name is Mike, last name Hat. Well, his full name is Michael Hat. I can't say that I'm allergic to dogs, so... Yeah, that's all right. He lives with my mom. Well, then we have that figured out. One down, no cat. But you know what, I see, let's jump ahead. Uh, Kevin dabbles in web design, and I asked him to throw together maybe a couple of logos uh -huh. for us. Uh -huh. That's you now's your moment. Pull it out. Oh, sure. I feel like a lawsuit waiting to happen.